Good day to you. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is your daily scripture meditation. This is Monday, January 31st, 2022. And because it is Monday, it is a New Testament day. And so we will be reading out of the Gospel of Luke. So let me get that up onto the screen for you. And we're going to be starting in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. It writes, While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So I want to highlight this a little bit. So one of the things as we read about Jesus' miracles and his healings, um, one of the things is you learn is that Jesus doesn't have to touch a person to do it. Um, he could be, you know, in an entirely different town and he could bring healing upon a person. He could just say a word and they will be healed. This actually gets reflected in a conversation between uh, Jesus and the centurion. But he doesn't do that with this, um, with this leper. Instead, he reaches out his hand and touches him. This is profound. And this is profoundly compassionate. Because you see, lepers were unclean, right? But they're considered unclean to such a degree that people wouldn't even let the shadow of a leper touch them because they were afraid of getting it. And other leper, lepers wouldn't touch other lepers. So this man, in the entire life of his leprosy, never had anybody make any physical contact with him. Do you realize how depressing this is? Physical contact is a powerful thing. There's been studies that have been shown that um, just by a physical touch, you could boost somebody's immune system. Um, if you By making physical touch, if you're a server, and I'm talking about a good touch, obviously. By making physical touch, you, actually get, you could actually get better, um, better tips. And see, the reason for these things is because... People, because touch is necessary. Good, good, healthy touch is good for us. It boosts us, it boosts our emotions. Well, and so to not have anyone touch you for years would be incredibly depressing. And so Jesus chooses to touch the man in order to perform the miracle. And this is an act of profound compassion. Verse 17. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there 
who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was, was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts, which is, e which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. So verse 24, he calls himself the Son of Man. In the Gospel of Luke, this is Jesus' favorite title for himself. But I want to highlight just simply, why does Jesus forgive the sins of the man first? He forgives his sins because this is the most important thing. And understand this forgiveness, this is, a, this is an identifying marker that Jesus is God. This is why the Pharisees question saying that he was this who speaks blasphemies. Because if Jesus is not God, he does not have the authority to forgive the sins of this man. Because the only person that can forgive the sins of somebody, I mean all their sins, is the only person who every single sin is ever committed against. That is God. And so when Jesus forgives this man his sins, he is claiming to be God. And if he is not God, yes, it would be blasphemy. And so then he says, rise, pick up your mat and walk. Why? This is the evidence. This is him saying, this is the evidence that the Son of Man... Jesus saying, moi, moi, the evidence that moi, me, Jesus, the Son of Man, is God, is by, make, is by healing this man. And that is the evidence that he has the authority to forgive sins. Verse 27. After this he went out and saw a tax, tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there were a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. They have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He hasn't come to call the righteous because he's the only one that is righteous. Righteousness comes by faith. He came to deliver righteousness. And so he invites sinners like you and me to come and dine with him. And 
note tax collectors and this is going to be a theme that comes up through the gospel of luke tax collectors come up frequently the reason tax collectors are hated is because tax collectors were typically jews and they were jews collecting taxes from other jews on behalf of the romans and because they were collecting money from their neighbors on behalf of their enemies they were perceived as traitors and so they were hated amongst jews and so this is why it was so offensive that jesus was eating with them verse 33 and they said to him the disciples of john fast often and offer prayers and so do the disciples of the pharisees but yours eat and drink and jesus said to them can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them the parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does... The new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins and no one after drink old drinking old wine desires new for he says the old is good on a sabbath while he was going through the grain fields his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain rubbing them in their hands but some of the pharisees said why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life or destroy it and after looking around at them all he said to them and all all he said to him stretch out your hand and he did so and his hand was restored but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus so that is the text and the issues of the sabbath it's kind of an ongoing topic um, in the scriptures, it's in Luke, all of them. And so we'll probably deal with that in another text. Um, but today we're going to, so at, with this, uh, actually, let's first, let's say a prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the incredible compassion you have upon us, that you welcome us sinners to dine with you, to especially feast in your Holy Supper, by which you make us righteous. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So at this time, we're going to read from, we're going to continue on in the large catechism. Um, we're going to see how far we get today. Uh, we're beginning at paragraph number 11 in the large catechism. Um, using Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions, produced by Concordia Publishing House. It says, Now for this reason alone, you ought gladly to read, speak, think, and use these things, even if you had no other profit and fruit from them than driving away the devil and evil thoughts by doing so. For he cannot hear or endure God's word. God's word is not like some other silly babbling." Like the, the story about Dietrich of Bern, for example. But as St. Paul says in Romans 1.16, it is the power of God. Yes, indeed, it is the power of God that gives the devil burning pain and strengthens, comforts, and helps us beyond measure. And what need is there for more words? If I were to list all the profit and fruit God's word produces... Where would I get enough paper and time? The devil is called the master of a thousand arts. But what should we call God's word, which drives away and brings to nothing this master of a thousand arts with all his arts and power? The word must indeed be the master of more than a hundred thousand arts. And shall we easily despise such power, profit, strength, and fruit? We especially who claim to be pastors and preachers. If so, not only should we have nothing given us to eat, but we should also be driven out, baited with dogs, and pelted with dung. We not only need all this every day just as we need our daily bread, but we must also daily use it against the daily and unending attacks and lurking of the devil, the master of a thousand arts. <laughs> Yeah, he's getting a little um, visual there. But this is just the sternness, the importance of being in God's Word, learning God's Word, learning the, um, meditating upon the truths of Scripture. This is the task to pastors. And he's telling them pastors who do this, who do not, are not spending time with the Word, who are not spending time meditating upon God's Word, meditating upon um the teachings of the of the catechism and the confessions he's saying that those pastors should be did not shouldn't be shouldn't eat should be driven out baited with dogs and pelted with dung you know basically yeah i don't i don't think he literally means that you should pelt them with dung but this is he's just telling you this he's using this strong language to let you know how important this is Pastors should not be neglecting it. And frankly, congregations need to hold their pastors accountable on this. Make sure that the pastor is using regular time every single day in God's word, um, in the catechism, meditating, praying, things like that. The pastor should be doing these things every single day. Um, it should be considered part of his job um, as a pastor. So, verse 14 if these reasons were not enough to move us to read the catechism daily, we should feel bound well enough by God's command alone. He solemnly commands in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 to 8, that we should always meditate on his precepts, sitting, walking, standing, lying down, and rising. 
We should have them before our eyes and in our hands as a constant mark and sign. Clearly, he did not solemnly require and command this without a purpose. For he knows our danger and need, as well as the constant and furious assaults and temptations of devils. He wants to warn, equip, and preserve us against them, as with a good armor against the fiery darts, and with good medicine against their evil infection and temptation. Oh, what mad, senseless fools are we! While we must ever live and dwell among such mighty enemies as the devils, we still despise our weapons and defense, and we are too lazy to look at or think of them. What else are such proud, arrogant saints doing who are unwilling to read and study the Catechism daily? They think they are much more learned than God himself with all his saints, angels, prophets, apostles, and all Christians. God himself is not ashamed to teach these things daily. He knows nothing better to teach. He always keeps teaching the same thing and does not take up anything new or different. All the saints know nothing better or different to learn and cannot finish learning this. Are we not the finest of all fellows to imagine that if we have once read or heard the catechism we know it all and have no further need to read and learn? Can we finish learning in one hour what God himself cannot finish teaching? He is engaged in teaching this from the beginning to the end of the world. All prophets, together with all saints, have been busy learning it, have ever remained students, and must continue to be students. So here that sternness, that this is not just a task to the pastors. Now that's the first level, but he's also delivering this task onto all Christians. All people should be meditating on the Lord's Prayer, the Creed the the commandments um what is baptism what's the lord's supper meditating upon it meditating upon god's word daily it must be true that whoever knows the ten commandments perfectly must know all of the scriptures no so in all matters and cases he could advise help comfort judge and decide both spiritual and temporal matters such a person must be qualified to sit in judgment over all doctrines, estates, spirits, laws, and whatever else is in the world. And what indeed is the entire book of Psalms, but thoughts and exercises upon the first commandment? Now I truly know that such lazy bellies and arrogant spirits do not understand a single psalm, much less the entire holy scriptures. Yet they pretend to know and despise the catechism, which is a short and brief summary of all the scriptures. Therefore, I again beg all Christians, especially pastors and preachers, not to think of themselves as doctors too soon, and imagine that they know everything. For imagination, like unshrugged cloth, will fall far short of the measure. Instead, they should daily exercise themselves well in these studies and constantly use them. Furthermore, they should guard with all care and diligence against the poisonous infection of contentment and vain imagination, but steadily keep on reading, teaching, learning, pondering, and meditating on the catechism, and they should not stop until they have tested and are sure that they have taught the devil to death to become more learned than God himself 
and all his saints. Notice that. Should not stop until they have tested and are sure that they have taught the devil to death and have become more learned than God himself. So that's when you can stop learning the Bible, stop meditating on the catechism, is when you know it better than God himself. In other words, never. So let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Blessings on your day. In Jesus' name, amen.